Hello, everyone. Happy Sunday. Um, I'm selfishly so excited because today's episode, as you guys all saw on my Instagram, I have my mom on. And so the reason I really wanted to bring on my mom is because, well, selfishly, yes, I think she's amazing because she's my mom. But I do feel like I know that a lot of people that listen to this podcast or follow me on Instagram, you guys are in very different phases of life. Some of you are young moms. Some of you are, you know, kids right out of college, just like myself, trying to figure out this whole adulting thing. Some of you are still in college. Some of you are my mom's age or older. And I think that my mom will be able to speak to a lot of different people going through different things in life, whether you're feeling overwhelmed or anxious or tired or nervous or struggling with confidence or whatever it is. So um, that being said, you guys submitted some amazing questions. Honestly, I think some, like I don't think I'm gonna be able to get to all of them. Um, But first, I really want my mom to give a like 30 second in your eyes. If you had 30 seconds to explain yourself and what your life is right now, mother, what would you say spiel? Well, thank you, Annie, for having me on your podcast. I'm so honored to be here with all of you today. Um, So a little bit about me. Um, I live in Atlanta. I have four amazing kids. Annie is my second. I have three girls and a boy, all um, two out of college, two still in college. Um, I am a, a I'm an attorney practicing in a, the estate planning area. But for the last about four years, I have been in the private wealth management management space, um, working with high net worth clients, sort of using my estate planning um, background. And I also have an amazing side gig that I've done that Annie's my partner with. Um, I've been doing for about nine years and just love it. It's just, it's a fun extra part of my life that is, um, it's just a, a, you know, it's fun. Doesn't feel like work. So I love it. What is this side gig, mom? Isogenics, all about health and wellness, which I love. Um, just, it's just been such a game changer for our family, both physically and financially. So I'm a big fan. 100% 100% agree. And you guys have heard me talk about isogenics before, so I don't feel like I need to introduce that to you. And I really want to make sure we have time for some of these questions. Selfishly, I know I submitted some of them because I'm like, ooh, what a great chance to ask my mom some questions that isn't necessarily dinner side table conversation. Um, but first, let's. Sh- how old are you, mom? Can we just put that in the oven? I'm 52. Okay, 52. What an age to be alive. So I think because beautiful mom is 52 years old. She's going to be able to give a lot of wisdom to, like I said, people who are my age, I'm 23, or maybe you're still in college, maybe you're a young mom, whatever it is. Um, But this first question I really, really love, and it's, mom, what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? And I'm guessing the person who submitted this was 20, but let's just make it like young 20s. So 20, 25-year-old self. Well, I love that question because I I wish I'd had this advice when I was 20. Um, I was definitely in my, even high school, in college, I was definitely that laser beam focused, driven, type A, um, had a goal, wanted to reach the goal. Um, So that's where I get it from. Yeah. If anything sort of went not according to plan, it was just 
just a disaster. And I think if I could go back and tell myself when I was 22 to really just sort of stop and smell the roses, that it's so much the journey, not so much the destination. That's where the learning occurs. That's where actually a lot of time and honestly, the surprises in life that end up being some of your biggest blessings. And so don't be so much on a mission and focused on the end goal that you forget to enjoy the ride and the journey and that you close out and aren't open to other opportunities that may show up along the way. What's an example of a a surprise that has been in your process that you weren't looking for, but it came throughout your journey? That wasn't necessarily one of your end goals, but like it just kind of came about and you were like, man, I would have missed that if I was so focused on my end goal. Yeah. Well, so one was your sister, McCray Mayfield. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, you know, I had just started my law practice. I mean, I had been on a goal. I was going to be at a top law firm in Atlanta. I just started practicing. Um, Your dad and I got married and we got married in September of 95 and McCray was born in September of 96. And how old were you when you first had McCray? I was 27. 27. So, you know, it just really, I always wanted kids, but not necessarily like my second year of practicing law. I sort of had some goals I wanted to reach first. And so it was just sort of, it just sort of threw me off track a little bit, not off track, but it was just a surprise, but it ended up being just, I mean, obviously the most amazing blessing and wouldn't trade it for the world. And really, you know, like I said, I would have never thought I would have had four kids and I had four kids. And I think it was just, you know, starting earlier, probably on my quote plan on paper, I would have worked another four years before I started having kids. And I think my life would have looked a lot different. So Mm -hmm. that's one of those things that I was open to. And then, you know, another one more recent was, you know, I practiced law for 24 years in law firm and And then an opportunity came up for me to sort of pivot and go into the private wealth space, Um, not practicing law, just using my expertise for their clients. Definitely a change. I mean, I had to walk away from all my clients and it was a little bit of a leap of faith and a little scary at, you know, age 48 in your career. Um, And you know, it's ended up just being probably one of the smartest moves of my career, but it like I said, it wasn't expected. I was open and it just, you know, I feel like when you're open, you don't close doors and you just, you know, just enjoy the journey. Things happen and you evaluate them when they come and you just, you know, if you're if you're open to things, sometimes just amazing opportunities can just be presented to you that you never in your wildest dreams anticipated or even expected. Yeah, that's so good. I I love all that. And I love how you talked about just like opportunities typically on the other side of fear, on the other side of the unexpected. Um, so I'm. this is a good question too that I, um, I kind of want to jump to in that, you know, you talked about how you have McCray, you weren't really expecting it and you had like your plans, your goals, and then you kind of had to pivot because you had this human and then you had some more humans. For those of you who don't know, my mother had four and my dad four under four. So they were crazy busy. Um, what about your life right now is better than you ever dreamed it could be like better than your pen and paper plan at 20 years old could have ever written down? Um, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. It, you know, it makes me think, I mean, I mean, honestly better. 
Um, I mean, I just, I never imagined that I would have probably four kids, this big family um, that I just adore more than anything in the world and that I still have my career. You know, that's probably, if I had to say, I think when I was probably that 20-year-old, I thought it was an either or, you know, like you either, you know, go full steam ahead in your career or you're a mom. Um, Or maybe you can do both, but you're probably not going to do both well. And I really, if I had to say one thing I'm probably the proudest of is I think I've done both really well. And it's not, not that it's always easy. And, you know, a lot of people say, you know, oh, we find the balance in your life. And I think that's a very, it's a trendy word. And I don't know that, you know, I'm I'm not 100% convinced that there's you can find total balance in life. That's I think sweet. that I think that what happens is that you have things that are important to you. So for me, I have my my job that's important to me. I have, you know, I have my my job with my attorney wealth management job. I have, you know, my family. And then I have my side gig with Isagenics. And those are all very important to me. Um, but there are times when it I'm required to give more effort effort to one than the others. That's just the nature of it. I mean, you know, like right now, my my job, my wealth management job is is nuts because of a lot of proposed legislation and things like that. And I've got to focus there. But there are times, I mean, you know, if you've got a sick child or you've got something going on or a sick parent, you've got to focus there. And so you've got to you've got to be able to know and be okay that life isn't always going to be perfectly balanced. But I think what's important is you've got to, you've got to build up the foundation and all the things that are important to you enough so that when you do have to put more efforts into one of them because of things that happen, that none of them crumble. Does that make sense? I think that's just so important. Um, because it doesn't mean that you're neglecting the others. It's just you create, you've established that foundation so that they can sort of run on their own and people understand that your focus may be somewhere else for a little while, but they know you and they know you'll be back Mm -hmm. and they know you're there if, you know, if, and if when the time comes that your focus needs to be on them, it'll be more on them. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's, that's a, that's an important thing. So I think if you, you know, back to the question of what's better now, um, I just think the fact that I have been able to have this big family, but also find a career that, you know, that I enjoy and have a side gig that I enjoy, um, and, be able to do all of them, not perfectly by any stretch of the imagination and not, um, you know, not given a hundred percent at all times to all of them, but to be in the game with all of them, you know, to feel good about where I am with all of them. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, that's probably the best thing about where I am now. What an answer. You know, Tony Robbins once said, perfection is the lowest standard to reach for because it does not exist. And I think when you just talked about how it's like just being in the game with them, like allowing yourself to not be perfect, but just to be there and present, like that's the success within itself. And so another question that I know a lot of people were curious about, and you know, you wear so many different hats. You're 
you own this incredible, and when my mom said side business, like she won't brag on herself, but I will. This side business brings in over six figures a year. So let's just call it like it is. Like, I mean, you work a nine to like a full-time job, but you're making full-time results in this side business as well. And you're a mom of four and the four of us and ourselves are like their own company. We're so chaotic and crazy. And so like, quite frankly, you do a lot. And I feel like there's a lot of young moms out there or people in their 20s out there or whatever and they look at people like you and they're like well of course Beth Mayfield does it like she's so perfect at xyz she has it all together like she has time for everything she's superwoman and what would you say to those people that you know kind of are like how does she get done everything in a day that she gets done like we all have the same 24 hours like how does she manage her time so effectively and and for the people that just look at you as like something that you do could never be replicated for themselves? Like, what would you say to them? Well, first of all, I would say um, I am nothing special, I mean, at all. And I think that, you know, the the key for me is, number one, I will say I'm organized. I mean, I when I get up in the morning, I know what I've got to do. Like, I know, I know what the list is. I know what the must-dos are. But and and the reality of it is it always changes because they're always with y'all four. There's somebody that has a disaster. There's something that pops up at work. You know, there there just is. That's life. But I think the key in anything, and this is probably the biggest thing that I see when I just, you know, mentor people through through work and, you know, through isogenics working with with people is I see so many people bogged down in the decision. They get bogged down in making a decision. And I am a big believer, and this is probably going to be the most important thing I say on this podcast. I live by it. Done is better than perfect. Done is better than perfect. Get it done. done. And because here's the reality. I mean, I don't make rash decisions. I think about it, but then I pull the trigger. I make the decision. I don't, I don't bellyache over it. I do it. Done. Cross off the list. And sometimes is, are there weeks that go by and I go, oh God, wish I'd done something else. Yeah, there are sometimes, but you know what? I've gotten to the point where I know I made the best decision I could at the time. And I, I don't bellyache over it. I forgive myself if, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, And I think people that get the most done, they they do their research, but they make a decision and they don't overanalyze everything. I mean, you can just overanalyze everything to death. It's never going to be perfect. If you can get it in that 85, 90% ballpark, go for it. Do it and just call it a day and move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I totally agree with it. I call this study syndrome. Like school teaches us to study and study and study and we become really good studiers. But quite frankly, life requires us to be test takers, not studiers. And I agree. It's like do your research, be well prepared and then make the decision and move on. You know, if you fail, great, feel forward. At least you made a decision because not making a decision is just as much as the decision as making the wrong one. Um, And so with that being said, I'm I, I think this is a really good question because I know we do have a lot of people on here that are in network marketing like we are or they ha- they're entrepreneurs or maybe they're still students, but we also have a lot of professionals. And what are some things as a female professional that you, you know, as you've made your way up the ranks in, I guess, in the ladder, so to speak, in the corporate world or even in the network marketing world as a female professional, because, you know, not everything's perfect in that either. What are some things that have surprised you 
as a female, being a female professional in your experience? Well, probably the thing that has surprised me the most is going to be, I don't know if it's going to be a popular answer or not. No, nope, there's no, um, just say it. Probably the thing that has surprised me the most um, coming as a woman is that women are really women in corporate America. Other women are your hardest and worst enemy. That's what I found. It's tough. Right now, I am so blessed. I work with some of the most amazing women. I mean, I cannot even tell you, I adore who I work for. I have the best corporate boss right now I've ever had in my life, male or female. Um, and she's a female. But, um, but in my experience of law firms, I find there are a lot of women out there. They're just, they're really tough. They're, they're not understanding. They are, they're really, really tough. And that caught me by surprise because when I started, I thought, oh my gosh, she's a mom. She'll understand. And a lot of times that was not the case. That was absolutely not the case. And so, you know, where I, what I've taken from that as I've gotten older is number one, I know it. Um, I don't judge. Everybody comes from their own place. Um, but what I do try to do is I try to be such a supporter of other women because everybody's in a different place. I mean, other moms, I mean, you know, it's, it's tough. I mean, I will tell you it's tough. I mean, I always say, <laughs> the the men I work with I always laugh. I'm like, you've got a wife at home. Well, I don't have a wife at home, you know, because it's just the, the reality for most women. It's still, I know this is stereotypical, but for most women that are working, they're still ultimately responsible for making the doctor's appointments and getting the groceries and doing dinner. Not all the time, but a lot of times it still falls on our shoulders. And so it you know, it is, uh, I do think women in the corporate world are just, um, they, they should be so commended and they should be so cheered on and so supported and so encouraged. And so I've taken something that was probably surprised me the most when I, you know, from what I've seen in my time and I've tried to turn it and just all I can do is what, what I can do, what I can control. And that's how I treat other women in the workforce. And I try to just be really understanding because it is tough. It is tough. And you, you need women in corporate need as many cheerleaders and as many people supporting them as possible because it's hard. And this might be, that was so good. I think, and this might be a similar answer to what you just said, but I'm just curious, like advice moving forward for female professional, like for example, this, what you just talked about, female professionals judging other females or sometimes being the harshest critics of other women. How do we fix that as women? How do we, how do we fix that? How do we not fix that, but maybe just like shine light on that and, and move the needle and, and take responsibility and alleviate some of that? What, what do you think? How do we do that? You know, I, I don't, I don't know the, the, the exact answer to it. And, and I'll be the first to say, you know, I, I'm, I'm always hesitant to like quote complain about something if I don't feel like I can like change it and I'm not willing to head up something and go, okay, I'm ready to take this on. But with this, I mean, the way I have tried to tackle it is just, it's just very organically. Like I said, more one person at a time. I mean, I really think it's like, let's, let's just, Let's support and encourage this new young group of women professionals that are coming in. I mean, I feel like it's never 
been better to be a woman in corporate. I think you have so many opportunities. The fact that, you know, remote working is more available. I mean, I look back to when I started and I feel like I'm saying, oh, I walked to school in the snow, but it's like, it was, it was so much different. Even when, I mean, I'm only 52. When I started law practice in 1994, I mean, part-time was Monday through Friday, nine to four. I mean, and I'm not joking. I mean, it was, there were just not options that there are today for women. So I think there's so many more options. And I'm hoping by, you know, people that are older, like me, can reach out to those younger professionals and really sort of mentor them and support them so that then they they have that mentality to then do the same. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You sort of always just say, you, you pay it back, you pay it forward. Mm-hmm. And I think the more people and women professional my age who can reach down and do that, then the new ones are going to come around mm-hmm. and pay it forward. And then before you know it, you've got the majority of people who are just, it's an amazing team of support. And I think that's just a great place, a really, really great place to be. And the other thing, I mean, I think from, you know, just being a, a woman professional in, you know, in the corporate world, um, the, the other piece of advice I can give you is, you know, I don't care if you're in a if you're in a room and it is all men. The you you bring so much to that room. You bring so much to the table. So don't ever ever underestimate yourself ever. And that's probably my biggest piece of advice is whatever field you're in, whatever you're doing, learn it, know it, make yourself invaluable, whatever it is. If you know how to do the best Excel spreadsheets, if you know how to do the best PowerPoint presentations, if you know this one area of the law, just master it, be the master so that if something happened to you, there would be a void. They need you. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, it really, really can change the trajectory of your path Mm -hmm. in the corporate world. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Make yourself indispensable, as Robin Sharma says. And I love what you said about that. I think it's like making women understand that her success doesn't mean your lack thereof. Like her success is your success too. Anyone's success is your success too. Um, It just shows you the opportunity available, but you've got to capitalize on your gifts, like you were saying, and not compare your gifts to other people. Um, So good. Okay. I kind of want to pivot in the last couple bits of our podcast here to talk about relationships. So you know, we've got listeners of all different backgrounds. Some are divorced, married, newlyweds, in their honeymoon, engaged, fiance, single like myself, or maybe their boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Um, first, how long have you and dad been married for? Let's start there. Well, so 95, so, oh my gosh, 24 years? No, 26 years. 26. Sorry. I put her on the spot so she couldn't do the math beforehand. Gosh, um, it's but, been a blur. Okay. It's been a blur. It's been so fun. It's been a blur. 26 <laughs> years. And um, that being said, I, you met dad when you were, we talked about this last night. You met dad when you were 24, a year older that's, than I am now. That's right. Okay. You met dad when you were 24. Y'all got married when you were 26? Yes. That's right. Okay. 26. So, you know, pretty bulk experience of marriage. I'm curious, you know, looking back when you were my age or early 20s, what is some relationship advice you would give, I guess, to people across the board with whatever season of relationship they're in right now? Hmm. 
you mean advice to give to people like as they're looking to to get yeah married? let's make this easier let's say to singles people who are single young 20 and single okay what advice would you give knowing what you know now about marriage yeah i mean what i would say is you know marriage is amazing i mean i love your dad more than anything but marriage is also hard and i always say like i've told all of you is you it needs to be pretty darn good before you get married i mean if there're a lot if there's some problems or issues or red flags and a lot of people i've seen go but when we get married it's going to be better mm-hmm. i can assure you it is not it is not because let's say that again for the people in the back <laughs> <laughs> i don't think we got it yeah, if there are problems or red flags before you get married, they are only going to be magnified after you get married. What are some of these problems, mom? Um, if there are, if you have differences on finances, if you have differences on, you know, whether you like to go out a lot or you maybe are more of a homebody, um, if there are differences on whether or not you want kids. I mean, a lot of people will be like, you know, there's their significant others like, I don't want any kids. And they're like, oh, well, let's get married. I'll change their mind. You're not going to change their mind. It's going to become a huge issue. And so um, the your boyfriend, you know, plays golf every weekend for hours on end and you're going, oh my gosh, I want to be with them more. Or maybe they're, you know, they never go visit their parents and you're like, you should go visit your parents. And you think, oh, but when we get married, that will all change. Then they'll listen to me. No, it's not. It just becomes, the stresses actually become that much more because it's sort of permanent. You just, you know, it's just, and it's, and more stresses come in. I mean, you, you intermingle your finances. You start having kids, which is a whole nother level of stress and um, joy and stress. But if, if you don't have that happy foundation, um, it, it's hard. So I think that's a big thing. And the other thing I, I tell, and this is really probably more to young women out there. I mean, it, it goes both ways, but I am a big, big believer for young women when you enter into a relationship and you get married, like I said, there are going to be times in your life, you, you you get married, you have a career, you have kids, maybe, you know, you want to be at home more, you want to, you know, whatever the choices are you make, there are no right or wrong choices. It's just choices that work for you and work for your family. But I am a big believer for women not to give up their independence and their ability to provide for themselves. Because to me, that is a very scary place to be, to be totally dependent on somebody else. And that may be one reason I've always worked. Um, Even though there were years when y'all were young, I worked part-time and didn't really make that much money, but I kept my, my, Foot. I get my what's what's the saying? I kept my foot in the water. I dipped my foot in the water. I, I stayed in the game enough so that I could pick it back up. Because I think it's harder, whatever your profession is, if you just go out for fifteen years, it's real hard to get back in. I mean, you're you're just out of you know. If you have a license, it's probably expired. But if there's a way that you can just at least stay in the game during those years, even if it's reduced hours, I'm just a huge fan of that because I just think it gives you so many more options, and I. I think it gives you a position in the relationship um, where there's mutual respect 
And there is, you just always, always know that you're going to be able to take care of yourself. And I just think that's a really important thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. And I think just the ability to know that seeps into other, preserving other characteristics that are important for marriage, like finding wholeness within yourself to bring a whole person into that partnership as opposed to looking for the other person to complete you. Like this, if if someone were to ask me that question and granted I'm only 23, but it's like what I would tell women is, you know, or men, it's like, don't look for the person that completes you. Like ultimately only God can do that. And you need to make sure that you are whole within yourself before you even look for a partner so that when you find the right person, it's not him filling in your cracks and holes. It's both of you making a bigger impact than you could as an individual. It's two whole people coming together. And um, I guess, you know, and what would you say to the people that are out there right now and they, you know, it's like they're either they're single and they're trying to rush to get into a relationship because they're afraid of being alone or they just got married and they're trying to rush to have kids because, you know, just rushing to the next step. What would you, what advice would you give to that person that's so afraid of, of just getting to that next step already? You know, I think it goes back to that thing, how I started it was, you know, sometimes it's just just the journey. And I think you need to, it's, I think sometimes I think when you're so focused on the next step that you can, you can miss exactly where you are, where are you planted right now and, and enjoy that. And Mm -hmm. I think when you learn to just enjoy the here and now, and I'm not saying that you can't have goals and, you know, things you want in the future, but when it becomes all consuming and then you forget what's just going on right now and your appreciation for that, that's where I think it can, sometimes you can get into that Mm -hmm. dangerous territory. So really to just, you know, focus and appreciate now work towards the future, but don't let it become so important that it's just all consuming Mm -hmm. and it's all you focus on. Because if you do, you're going to miss, you're going to miss what's right in front of you. Yeah. I once heard it put like, don't idolize it. It's not God. Like the future is not God. You know what I mean? Like stop idolizing it. So good. Okay. This question I absolutely love that someone, um, But, and I just thought it was amazing because I think it's the psychology major in me. But after now you've seen, I mean, guys, my siblings, my sister's 25, I'm 23, Lizzie's 22 and James is, what is he, 20 now? My little, my little baby. Um, Okay. But you've raised four kids and there's the whole nature versus nurture argument. It's like, you know, is it nature that we are the way that we are? Is it nurture? Is it a little bit of both? I'm just curious. You've seen the four of us all grow up and we're so freakishly different. What's your take on that and why? Okay. That's, that's a hard one, but I think if I had to sort of give an answer, I would say absolutely. I think nature plays a lot in it because I look at the four of you and, you know, I mean, I feel like I was equally the same mom to all four of you, but you're all, like you said, very, very different. So there is a huge part of nature in there, you know, as far as, you know, whether you're introverted, extroverted, interested in travel, interested in reading, um, sports. I mean, all of that is very much nature. But what I will say is I think nurture does play a role in it. Um, And I feel like the nurture piece is important because I think it can it can take the good parts you get from nature 
and make them better. Mm-hmm. It can make the bad parts you get from nature and maybe make them not qu- make them not quite as bad if you're if you're nurtured well. Does that make sense? I mean, but if you're not nurtured well, if the nurturing isn't there, the nature pieces, if there are bad, it's going to make it worse. And if there's good, it may not be as good. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So oh, yeah. I feel like nature is so important, but the nurture, it's going to tip the needle. Mm-hmm. It's going to make, it's going to make it better or worse mm-hmm. depending on what it is and how you nurture mm-hmm. that nature. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's such a good answer. And I want to dive in deeper, but I have one more question before our fire round. And what last question is, how has your faith changed since you were my age to now? The way you talk to God, the way you think about him, how has that changed? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, you know, I mean, I grew up in small town, South Georgia, Presbyterian church, went to church every Sunday, sat on the same pew, and it was just something you did. You got dressed, you went to church, it was just what you did, and it was more about the process. You know, it was more about getting up, getting your Sunday best on, sitting in the pew, being there, being present. And there's something to be said for that. Absolutely. I'm not discounting it. My parents did an amazing job of instilling faith in us. But I think as I have gotten older, um, and this actually happened more by accident because, you know, I mean, we grew up, we took you, we went to St. Anne's Episcopal Church every Sunday. I got y'all dressed up in your little matching outfits. I sort of was repeating What what I knew what I knew to be right. Um, But then all of you started playing all your crazy sports. And guess when they were all played? On the weekends and on Sundays. And so we became, you know, as y'all used to call it, Christmas churchgoers and Easter churchgoers because we were always gone. And when we weren't gone, it was like, oh my gosh, I don't even have the energy. I just want to enjoy being here and not getting up early. Um, But what I found was I almost feel like my faith is stronger now than it was when it was that consistent getting up, getting dressed, mm-hmm. and going to church. And I'm not saying that, that that's wrong, but it's just that I sort of found where I can more freely like speak to God. And I feel like God speaks to me, maybe on a walk, maybe in the shower, maybe, you know, I mean, just to me, it's like in my private time, that's where you know, I have my best moments of faith. And it's just not sort of what you think of as the, I guess, the textbook. And so I guess that's where I've learned is it's more, you know, don't let anybody put you in a box of what faith should look like. I mean, your relationship with God, it's personal and you've got to, you've got to make it what you've got to make it what works for you in those in, in those intimate moments mm-hmm. with God. And, um, and it may not look the same for everybody and don't let anybody make you feel bad for where, for where it happens for you. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Something that I, I think during quarantine, when we could not go to church, something that I, I feel like I understood for the first time is church is not something we do. It's not a place we go to. It is us. Like yeah. we are the church. It is in us. And God can't, we can't walk away from him because he is in us. So however he speaks to us, it's going to be personal. It's going to be different for you than it is for me. It's going to be different for me than it is for dad. Then it, it it's our own unique relationship with him. And that should be celebrated, not judged. So I, um, I totally agree with that. Okay. Last question 
if you could play one song, like if your heart was a radio and it only could play one song for the rest of your life, as you're sleeping, as you're driving, as you're showering, what would the song be? And you don't have to explain why, just what would it be? Oh, gosh. Well, it probably isn't my favorite song. Like, I don't, like, love this. I mean, I don't but like... But it's the one you would choose. But it's right? one I would choose just because I love sort of what it stands for is Walking on Sunshine. Because I feel By like... Natasha Bedingfield? Yeah, because it's just more of a, you know, I just feel like if, as long as you're sort of walking the walk in life and you're... And you're, you're on that path and you're, you know, you're walking on sunshine, you're, you're doing what you think is the best, the brightest, then, you know, whatever happens, happens. No regrets. You really are my mother. Cause mine would be unwritten, which is also by Natasha Benningfield. So in case you haven't heard those, those are two to check out. But mom, thank you so much for being on my podcast today. Oh, well, thank you for having me. You are amazing. I love you. I love you too. She has to say that because this is recorded. (laughs) But seriously, you guys have an incredible Sunday. I hope you enjoyed and found value from this podcast episode. I'm sending you guys love. Say bye, mom. Bye, everyone.